everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. Okay, well, that one was a little hairy at times, but... You know what? If we said last week the goal was to come out of this stretch by banking some wins, uh, mission accomplished on that front. Uh, Rice has their their first uh, AAC conference win, first football win, uh, respect to the volleyball team. Yeah, I was about to say, I know there have been a couple others. I don't know. Is volleyball the only one that actually has a it might be? I mean, I, I that's the only that. other team well, sport that's soccer in season, started right? playing. Oh, soccer, soccer started yeah, playing. Yeah last last uh spring so i guess soccer because they in swimming and diving they went early too i think mm. that's right we've been kind of jumping through it's weird being in it was so funny i was talking with bloomgren last week the or the week leading up to the usf game and he's like it's funny you know we've kind of like forgot that like the american thing is here like we made more of a deal about it a year ago and yeah. now that it's actually here we're like oh it's just the next game on the schedule. Yeah, this is somebody just a thing. Which is funny because next week they play not American Yukon, formerly of the American. Yeah, I'm still I still think that one's a conference game for it, it, it takes like a, a hot second to recalibrate on the fact that that one is not actually a conference game every time I look at it. Yukon feels more AAC than Tulsa does, if I'm being honest. One hundred percent that yeah. is. No, but... I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, on this game, so this might actually be a first, and it probably would have blown my mind if we if you would have read out this box score, right? Before we got to the game, Rice was outgained through the air, outgained on the ground, lost the time of possession battle, and won the game. Yeah. That's uh... not something that... Uh, you know, I win ugly. We we were talking about this after the game. This was about as ugly of a win as you could have won. And they did win. And I'm I'm much more <laughs> much much happier that we get to do this recap after a win and be mad instead of bemoaning misfortune. Yeah. And I will say, like if you go through the like the yardage battle is a lot down to total plays run. Um like, I, uh, I'm not going to do the math live, but I did it after the game, and I'm pretty sure the yards per play was very similar, if not a slight advantage 5. to Rice. 5.1 for Rice and 4.7 for ECU. I actually had yeah. it on hand. And then uh, I did go and look at the post-game win expectancy, and it was like 82.5% for Rice. So another one, kind of like the Houston game, in that, like, uh, it's, there were times when it felt like they should not have been winning, but then you come back and kind of take a holistic picture of all the stats and they on at least on a down to down basis play better now you don't normally like you give up 25 first downs to 14 to, and get 14 you lose the yardage battle by over 100 yards and uh, like are not significantly more efficient on a snap to snap basis like that that gap in the yards per play isn't huge then usually like the i feel like you probably you feel like you lose that game more often than not maybe but the way it turned out they they made the plays when it mattered 
Right. Which is like the ultimate like footballism that is harder to quantify, except for four consecutive fourth down stops in the fourth quarter. I guess that is quantifiable. So yeah, that was that was awesome. And I'm gonna have to I'm gonna talk with Josh Piercy this week and ask him if he knows who Quentin Coriot is. Because when he leveled that poor Pirates receiver, all I could think of was that hit by that uh, Aggie defensive back that left a guy on the ground scared for his <laughs> life because that's kind of what it looked like. My And then they had to get two more stops after that. My gosh. But yeah. here's the thing. If we're – I guess we'll start with the defense because that's the next point I have to make. But I looked up at this game at one point, and Rice was winning. 10 to 9 and ECU was outgaining Rice 270 to 90. And like I know we talked about it being a function of of total plays but part of it was just because for whatever reason and we're going to learn is I don't know if anybody paid attention EC or uh, ECU USF went up and hung 40 plus on Navy this weekend had a, another I think an 88 yard touchdown in the first half and the offense looked just as explosive as it did against Navy as it did yeah, against they, Rice. So and I, I looked at that one. They, they put up 44 points on Navy and turned the ball over three times. Like it should have been, yeah, worse. it was a weird start. Yeah. That's how Navy kind of got going at the beginning. But uh, yeah. So like we're learning that you, the USF offense might be good. We have a lot of data points that says the East Carolina offense is bad. Just sands and F an FCS game. So, I got to be honest, them moving the ball seemingly at will through three quarters was terrifying. <laughs> I did not feel very good about it. And yeah, I mean, to it, look back but, at their schedule now, like, and look at those point totals, like, they put up 13 on Marshall. Marshall is pretty good. Uh, and what, 28 on Appalachian State, who I, I Confess, I just, I just give them sort of a default. Um, well, we'll see how they are. They held, they held yeah. close with North Carolina, but that seems to happen every year they play North Carolina, no matter how good the teams are, respectively. Um, but you know, this East Carolina team, we'll see. I was very glad. Let's say I'm, I was very glad to not be the first, have Rice be the first FBS win for two straight conference opponents. So that was nice. Yes, that would have been unfortunate. Yeah. So there was that. And then, but part of it is I, I want to kind of like have a philosophical question about, about the defense, because what I noticed through this game, and it's kind of been a trend with the Brian Smith defense under Bloomgren is in general, the one thing that they don't want to do is get beat over the top. Like they will do everything in their power to not let you get behind them. And I, I'm, I'm thinking, and as I watch, you see some of the coverages that they play. And I looked at, man, some of the third and longs and some of the fourth downs early in the game that ECU converted, there was, I yeah, mean, there was like was, a seven yard cushion on a two yard stick route. And I was right. just like, it's, guys, it's fourth, it's fourth and three and you're playing six yards off the, yeah. the closest inside receiver. Like it's, it was an interesting choice there. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to pretend to be a defensive mastermind here, but that was the kind of thing that that was kind of the difference in this game. And I see both sides, right? Because 
you didn't give up anything over the top. Uh, you know, USF like gassed you time and time again in keeping the ball in front of you against ECU. It worked. So who am I to question defensive acumen? I'm not going to pretend I'm smart enough to, to know how to coordinate a defense effectively at the FBS level. But I will say, I, I wonder if there is a middle ground, you know, like it can rice amp up the, coverage intensity by 10%, 15%, and all of a sudden you get one or two more stops. You know, there's a yin and yang, right? If you're going to amp up and play, play, play really close and a lot of press, people are going to get behind you. I understand that, but it felt like in this game watching it, that Rice was back so far that there were a couple plays that, and I'm not saying you got to go all out, but man, maybe even just a, a little bit more pressure, maybe, maybe you get one or two more bobbles or you can get there a little bit faster and things change i don't know yeah. what the what the repercussions of are on the back end <laughs> of doing that i haven't simmed it out a thousand times but i kind of watched it and i was like man this is this is third and 13 like you can't you can't give that up there was like a there was one a, a third down conversion and long where it was a crossing route at like six yards and he cut it up and got a first down i was like guys what are we doing yeah, just got so like if if you're gonna if you're gonna play a, a sort of bit and don't break style, then you you need to be able to rally to the ball and tackle better than they have been lately. That's I mean, probably it. That's actually probably it. The fact that like the quickness to the ball and the tackling has not lived up to that half. I think that's a good point. Yeah. And I don't know. I wonder if there was like some level of conscious decision in this game with JT kind of hobbled to. Uh, like make possessions go longer and just try to not give up big scores. So you don't get into a shootout. Um, I don't know if that was part of the calculus at all. Um, Cause the, the offense definitely wasn't as uh, explosive as it has been at times this season. So. Yeah. yeah. A give and take, but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, that fourth down or that series of fourth downs and the goal line stands. I, I don't like to play second guess the officiating because more often than not, it's a pointless exercise that just nobody's happy with, but the, it looked like the pass interference call in that, that they ended up scoring that fourth down. Was that third quarter? That was the midway through the fourth quarter Yeah, was pretty close. I'm like, man, he got bumped, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, and if that's not, and they still managed to stop ECU six times inside the four yard line from yeah. scoring. And granted, like there was a lot of in there that I'm like, man, this ECU offense is awful. Like I'm just watching like a bobbled snap when they put in their running quarterback. And like, there was the, some of the route combinations. I'm like, a lot of this is just bad football. But a lot of the stuff where they just like, let's try and pound it up the gut and get a yard and they couldn't get it. I, I see the makings of a very good defense in here. Like, right. like I'm like, not, I'm not throwing it out. Like it's, you're going to come up with, with the clutch plays that they did. And like, after that touchdown, you like, I mean, you said it, like, look at the three drives that ECU have to add after that turnover on downs, turnover on like six plays, 47 yards, turnover on downs, four plays, zero yards, turnover on downs. Six plays, 15 yards, turnover on downs. Like, there's some playmaking in there. Like, this, bad this... defenses don't do that. 
Yeah. Like it just bad defenses don't luck into four straight turnovers. You go up you go up one touchdown in the fourth quarter and then make stop, stop, stop to win the game when the like the offense the offense after scoring that touchdown gained four yards on uh eight plays. So that was not great. Um so the defense essentially won that game for them after that last after that last touchdown. Uh so like there's There's something there. There's something there, and and like like let's let's build the whole plane out of that. Yeah, I I, I agree, and it, I mean, and I thought the the pass rush in particular. I thought last week against USF, there were times when you could see the pressure getting, and it didn't get there, and they just got picked apart. I think this week that they got home a lot more often than how many, and they don't. I don't think they ended up. Let's see the total sack number for Rice in this game. Only three official sacks. Two of those came at the very end of the game. GK's mm-hmm. walk off sack, but seven tackles for a loss and uh, seven quarterback hurries. It, this Six just felt like the game. defense is uh, is pretty. Yeah, that was that might have also been part of the reason that they're they're like. I want to say Bill's numbers usually say that uh, like roughly 33% of passes defense turned in interceptions. So like, I don't know, statistically, Rice should have maybe had two interceptions instead of one. Um, So, yeah, like this is a very like havoc heavy defense. Um, And if they can just sort of which doesn't jive much with the idea of playing very bend don't break. So like they've got some playmakers in this and they're just, I feel like there's, there's the nucleus here of a defense that could get results that are, that are better than what they've been getting on the whole. And I actually, I actually kind of love that philosophy mirrored with what we believe the rice offense to be. If you have yeah. a quarterback and you like Rice should not ever this year, as long as JT Daniels has at least one leg and can go out there, they should not <laughs> be afraid of giving up 28 points. Like yeah. this is an offense that with a healthy JT Daniels should get over 30 every game period. So if you're going to miss those high variance plays, go for broke and you get beat a couple times. I think you can live with it. And I really wish we could have seen the end of the USF game with a healthy JT. Cause I'm right. not saying that's the difference in the game, but man, just we could have gotten a, one more d- data point. They, proof they, concept they were winning when he went down. Out. They were yeah. winning when he went down. So, so I'm okay. I'm, I'm cool with amping up the pressure a little bit. I say, and I'm going to try really, really hard not to say if they go up and go for broke against UConn and they give up a lot of points, <laughs> I guess I got to live with what I'm asking for. Yeah. Right? Like this is on me. So yeah, you can call me out next week, but in general, I, I like schematically. I think I like what, what they're capable of. I would like to see a bit more aggression uh, from the secondary because I think I trust, trust the guys there enough to hold it down. And I'm just, I'm, I'm still, I'm casually, 
paying attention to the Byron Brown experiment at USF and thinking he might be a pretty good quarterback. And if he is, then I think all of these things can be true at the same time. If he's not good, then we have a really big problem. Because <laughs> I think Alex Flynn for ECU was okay. I like he was pretty accurate in the intermediate and short yardage. He did not have really great touch on the deep ball. I mean, a lot of college quarterbacks don't. I think Rice. It did not feel in the moment like he was completing less than 50% of his passes in that game. Well, he let's say probably because he was completing something like 70 in the first three quarters. And then at the end of the game, just pressure, pressure, pressure. I mean, at least that's what it felt like. Yeah, he had one, two, see, went one for four on their last drive, over oh three on the drive before that. Uh, actually, oh wow, he's, he started the game ten for twenty-four. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it felt the whole time like it was. It was. I don't know. Maybe they it were just the same getting enough as, enough chunk plays that the 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 completion percentage didn't matter. Yeah. It was the fact that the ones he did compete complete were on third and long. That's what, that's why. Yeah. That's why it felt so. When he did what he finished, I think from what I just said, I finished one for seven. So before that he would have been. Well, what, like 20, 37. Yeah. Yeah. So a little over 50%. Yeah. Um, I did like, in another thing in this, I thought they had a pretty good day against the run. I think there was really they had there's two explosive plays. I think they allowed on the ground, but in general, they got nothing up front. Yeah, and especially I mean, they, when they wanted to run by the goal line, they got stonewalled time and time again. So this rush defense continues to perform exceptionally well. With a with a 39 yarder and a 21 yarder in there, they still only averaged 3.8 yards per carry, and that was not that you know that's we said that's with three sacks. Like it was not a the, the sack numbers didn't wildly obscure the overall rushing performance there. Like again, it was one of those things where like it felt kind of gross in game, but you look at the final stats and you will absolutely take. 5.6 yards per attempt through the air and 3.8 per attempt on the ground overall. So, and then I think one of the reasons why it felt so gross was the fact that like special teams was, was kind of shaky. Well, yeah. They were, they were okay, but the missed field goal at the end leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. I, yeah, like, for sure. Crush had the good punt return. I, I think the rest of the units were pretty good. But and then the offense was not hunting perfectly not, solid. Yeah. Yeah. It was just not. And and you, you kind of felt like I just had that. I think it was the second play of the game that you have Dean coming out of the backfield on that same kind of out and go. And JT just misses him. And you're like, that should have been a 70 yard touchdown. And then there was another play. I believe it was the third quarter on the the closer side of the field where. I believe it was Landon Ransom and then maybe it was Luke or Braylon Walker. I don't remember, but he had two two guys had each beaten their man and were deep behind the secondary and JT just overshot him. And JT has been so money on those deep throws that when he misses one, like you kind of get like, 
what, what the heck, man? Like, this is your thing. Uh, so, like, <laughs> and, on, and I am. You set the standard too high for yourself. I am grading on perfection here. So, this is JT. This is your fault, actually. You have raised it this high. Yeah. But, I mean, and he'd be okay with that. And, and it was Can't actually. Can't even play perfect on a bum angle. Come on, man. Well, I, you know, we asked him about that in the post game and he was like, yeah, really early. I, it took me a quarter or two to settle down because I was really learning how to play without standing on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go find the actual quote, but he basically said is, yeah, I tried to avoid using my ankle. And once I was able to learn how to throw without using my ankle, then it was okay. Which I don't know if you like <laughs> just go out in the backyard with any ball. It doesn't have to be a football. Pick any ball and try and throw a ball with one foot. You kind of need that. Like, it just doesn't. <laughs> so I don't know. And and I asked you, I asked him afterwards. I'm like, are you at like, are you 50% right now? Are you 20%? You 80%? Where are you at? And he was just like, uh, it hurts. <laughs> like, I don't, he didn't, he didn't give me a straight answer, which is, I guess, part of the course right now. But yeah. And, and, and I think I, I, I'm thinking that, say, JT connects on those two deep passes. And I, I think that he was probably, you know, I wrote this after the game. I think this was like a C game from everybody. Like, nobody nobody gets an A. I don't think anybody got an F. But it's just kind of like, bleh. But if you give JT one or two of those plays, and all of a sudden you get two more touchdowns, and it's a 38-17 to 17 game, that's the final score, or, you know, Think the flow of the game might turn out differently there, but it's a two 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 touchdown cushion or a, a seventeen point cushion. Yeah. I think I feel differently about the defense, and I try and keep them separately. But I'm like, man, you just gave up three, and you you spot to a seventeen point lead. I don't care. Like, but when the when it's when it's a six point lead or a five point lead, and you give up the three, that's when I'm like, hey, man, you got to be perfect now. And maybe that is an, an unrealistic standard, and this defense isn't going to be that. But yeah, I, I kind of, that's kind of where I'm coming down with the offense was it just didn't click for a while. And I'm willing to put 70% of that on JT learning how to play quarterback on one leg. And he still completed 56% of his passes, 232 yards and two touchdowns. His yeah, one pick that, came off a deflection. That, that la- yeah, no, that, and that one was one that, uh, I think Luke would very much like to have back that one was actually uh, somebody pointed it out to me. I didn't see it real time. The linebacker got a hand on it uh, and that kind of threw okay. off Luke. So it was a, I think that's what ended up being the and then just sort it. of your, your unlucky, yeah. unlucky trajectory from there. But man, though, the, the touchdown to, well, both of the touchdown passes were just yeah. absolute darts. Like he dropped that one in the bucket to Ross and McNeil. And then the, the, one to land her ransom. I don't remember. I, I need to watch that one again. That one was I the screen. What is it? Yeah, yeah. It was um, that if you like people will show clip this and show highlights as this is how you block a screen because it was perfect. Like Clay Servin is 15 yards down the field being up a defensive back to get Landon free to break away <laughs> for the touchdown. Like if you go and watch it, it's just like, I'm like, who? that is 71 and he is 15 yards down the field making the block. My goodness. Yeah. So still had a couple of nice ones on one ankle. Hopefully, um, yeah, put that one up and, and get some ice on it. JT. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's hope that's ready for, uh, 
for for UConn. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, and then Chase Jenkins. Yeah, we said career. we said quarterback run game, and uh, you know it wasn't a ton, but they got him involved. He he actually had the second most carries of any Rice player after Dean Connors, and uh, was the only one who had any degree of any real degree of rushing success. Um, although the he's now played in two games, and he was second on the team in rushing his first game against Texas Southern, and he led Rice in rushing in this game, and that basically all came on his first carry of the game that went for 28 yards yeah they also uh they they tried some some interesting little giovanni johnson wildcat stuff which uh very well, much didn't work i but i give also, them a pass on that because chase got hurt at the end of that 28 yard uh, run and i yeah, believe yeah, yeah, that was right. supposed to be his whole bit. drive but yeah i i was i was philosophizing through the week i'm like okay because i'm sitting here watching and i knew I'm like, I'm pretty sure AJ is not going to be available. So it's going to be JT and then Chase. And I'm like, who's your fourth quarterback? And I'm like, I don't know if they put Shoki in. And I'm like, I think it might be Giovanni and the Wildcat. I literally, like, I had that thought and I was talking with somebody about it. And so when Johnny, Giovanni comes out to take the snap, I was just like, oh no, <laughs> we're here. Yeah. The, uh, and did not no, those well. plays did not go well. But also, like, I don't, it felt like on every one of those. Never yeah, it felt like on each one of those plays, like by the time the snap had been in Giovanni's hands for half a second, there were three guys in the backfield. So I don't, I'm not going to pass judgment on that set of plays one way oh, or yeah, another. Zero seems... percent do I like? There was no blocking. Giovanni was dead on arrival. Yeah. So seems to be working a little bit with Chase. Um, I think that's a package you probably want to keep seeing. Um, regardless of of JT's health going forward, just because like I said, you know, you gotta you gotta get something going in the run game. And uh Chase Chase can really scoot and that that's a way, you know, you even out the numbers and and kind of get you uh uh a chance to make something happen and and so far it's led to decent results. Yeah, I was I was in going into the game knowing JT was at less than 100%. I was I was actually all for it. I was like, man, if anything, instead of having JT take, you know, 60 snaps, make let him take 40, like even right. those 20 less snaps, that that will help him stay healthy for it's a long season. This is game 5. So is with that. And I think the only time that I really got uh perturbed and I said this as much during the game when they got backed up in front of their own end zone, I think they were at like the 12 yard line or something like that. And they put him there. They lost yards on first down and, and then he's taken snaps from like the six yard line. They end up punting from the end zone. At that point, I was just like, this is a good change of pace thing. This is not the kind of guy that you need. And then they let like third and 13, they left chase in there in the shadow of his own end zone. And I'm like, I'm not like casting aspersions that Chase cannot be ready for that situation. But when you have JT <laughs> available yeah. on third and long, like that was the only time I was really like, guys, like I get you want to split it. But right now, this is a play that JT needs to be in the game for. Um, so that I didn't did not like that at all. And yeah. then honestly, I will I'll cop to this. I was really nervous when they 
took JT off the field to put Chase in in the red zone. And I had a moment of panic with, and go watch the the touchdown that he scored again because they have an out, and I don't remember if it was like Dean out of the flat or if it was a tight end that kind of rolls out in front of him. And that's the easy, like Rice has run that so many times and that's the easy dump off touchdown. But it was covered really well. And I had this panic in my head of like, don't throw it, don't throw it. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes young quarterback, here's your read, go for it. And if it gets thrown, I'm like, that's a very, very bad decision in the red zone in that situation. And he does the right thing. He eats it. He keeps the ball and then B button rolls off two guys and scores a touchdown. So like the, the awareness to not throw that football and then the athleticism to be able to get in, I'm, I'm in. And like, it's so funny hearing myself talk about wanting one quarterback for like the past five years of Mike Bourne's time at Rice (laughs) being okay with putting in another quarterback. But like, Chase was really good and he looked like he knew what he was doing and was comfortable running the offense and his packages. So yeah, yeah, especially next week at UConn when you want to get JT back to full health, run him, man, put Chase in the game. Yeah. Especially because like, I don't know, fingers crossed AJ's healthy. We'll see where that is going forward. But like we were kind of talking about, they, this is a really solid quarterback room right now. Like, AJ looked great at the end of last season. Like, like we said, looked pretty solid once he settled in against South Florida. Oh, we've seen Chase do some good things already. I, I think you, you would report it also that he had a, um, since J, JT was pretty much on bed rest all week, leading it to get him ready for this one. Uh, Chase was taking most of the snaps and looked great in practice this week. So, um, yeah, I thought Monday was the best day he's ever had at Rice. And then all the coaches said, yeah, but did you see what he did on Tuesday? <laughs> and, I was like, and, and, you know, I, I we've this is like I I cannot count on my on my fingers how many times a backup quarterback has practiced with the ones and the coaches have told me, yeah, it was pretty good. Like it's happened. Everyone generally wants to be optimistic. But this was like one of the few times I can remember where like, no, like, like, seriously, like this dude was different. And he was like, he was really good. Yeah, and, and like even you know, contrasting that to what you normally hear, like it's fine to to hear people say, even coaches, like, "Oh yeah, so and so looked great in practice," and it's like, "Well, cool," uh, you know, let's let's see it in the game. But like, the sample size has not been big for Chase, um, but he has not even in these, and and in this game, he was in during like pressure moments. Like, it doesn't look. The game doesn't look too big for him. Um, he, he he seems to be really, really composed out there, um, which is obviously impressive for a true freshman. And uh, yeah, it's, hey. it's, it's a nice place to be. And you know who else the game doesn't look too big for? Speaking of freshmen and young players, uh, Rawson McNeil, who yeah. I guess technically redshirt freshman, right? We talked about last week about like saying this this train might be leaving the station and and running and man he was great again uh, four catches second on the team led the or I guess no second on the team fifty one receiving yards Landon had the breakaway touchdown to to pass him but he's just he's so good man he looks so comfortable and he he wins in contested situations 
and Rice needs that guy. And he just two that's two weeks in a row now that he's just been that guy. Yeah. I um I texted you and tweeted during the game, but is it is it how how long do, before we uh, upgrade him from baby Roz to uh Roz 2.0? Ooh. I, you know, I, I asked him if people still called him that a couple weeks ago, and he said, not, not as much, but we need we need a new moniker. I think that's what it is. Like, if we yeah. can get him a good nickname, I diff, we, maybe instead of Roz, it's Roz. It rolled the <laughs> AW. Yeah. Um, we'll, th- we'll think on it. We'll, R- Ross and we're working on it. Okay. But yeah, he was. He was really good. And, you know, ECU became pretty clear early in this game that ECU was just like, we're just not going to let Luke McCaffrey get open. <laughs> like, we're not going to let him beat you, beat us with somebody else. And it took the offense a while to get going, but it became Rawson was the guy that that beat him. Bowden Groen had a couple good catches in this. Bowden actually led mm-hmm. the team with five receptions. He was pretty quiet last week against USF, so that was nice to see. But, yeah, I, the receiving room is... It's coming around. I, I've backed off my panic level maybe from like, but like UH, I was like, I don't know, man. And I'm not like, I don't know if I'm over the moon yet, but if we can, you can tell me we got Rawson and Luke with, you know, pick your cameo appearance appearance from, from Braylon or Bowden or somebody else. Landon, I'm feeling again with JT doing JT things. Yeah. Like, this offense is, was much better than the 24 points that they officially registered on the scoreboard uh, this weekend against ECU. Yeah, I'm not no, right I, I, the the receiver room has, like you said, it, you'd like to see continued progress from guys, but like if if that kind of level of play that you've got in this one from the guys down the line behind Luke is is what you're going to get, then I think that's that's very very encouraging going forward and that's that's like you you're rarely gonna get you know it's it's pretty rare for teams to have more than a couple of receivers who are all consistently producing at a high level like all you need is like you need your main guy you probably need a decent number two and beyond that get what you can get and this team may not have like a clear number two receiver but it's got the it's got the makings like you, you, we haven't seen it fully coalesce yet, but I feel like you got to be getting more and more confident week after week with the way things have been going. Yeah. And, and then as far as the running game, our Broussard got some, some work for the first time really this season. And it might've been his first or his second carry broke off an 11 yard run. I was like, okay, somebody, and that was it. I, I think that might have been that was the yeah. longest run by a running back on the night. Actually, Juma had a nine-yard carry, but was pretty quiet. So I are we just are we kind of out on the running game? It, I'm just kind of like, eh. I'm I'm yeah. kind of done wondering about it until it shows me something different. And you know, if they continue to be competitive without it, I don't then, care. Right. <laughs> It was actually, this was one of the coolest things. And I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago about Bloomgren's evolution as a football coach. He said something the other day. He's like, I don't care about being balanced 50-50. I care about being able to throw the ball when we need to throw the ball and run the ball when we need to run the ball. And I'm really confident they can throw the ball when they need to throw the ball. And I think for the most part in short yardage situations, 
they can run the ball when they want yeah. to run the ball. For them, they have when shown they, when they multiple need to times run the ball. they cannot kill the clock with running the football. Yeah, no. Like, and they're... I, they're capable of running efficient offense. And generally, you need to have some measure of running game to sustain drives and uh, eat up the clock and things like that. And they're not gonna they're not gonna do that by just handing it off. But they seem to still be able to run pretty efficient offense regardless, because turns out when you have decent receiving backs and the tight end and then do everything receiver like Luke and a really great quarterback who can just get the ball to whatever guy is open and always come to his check down. If it's there and consistently put the ball in the right spots for guys to get yards after the catch, like that does most of the things that a yeah, running game like, does in a, in why am I complaining offenses. about this? when really I just want offense and points and they've consistently done that every yep. week. <laughs> so I think I'm over it. I'm, I'm all aboard on man. If you want to build the whole plane out of JT in the passing offense, I'm in. Yep. I have, I have, I'm cool with that because it's can, fun to watch. If you can line up and get that one yard you need in when you're at the goal line or on a fourth and short, as like you said, as they generally do, then like what else does it matter? So I don't know. We'll, maybe we'll we'll rue this discussion when it when they get into a game and the lack of a running game really really hurts them. But if they continue to be successful on offense without it, then they continue to be successful on offense without it, and I certainly won't complain. Yeah, as long as you win the games, and they're three and two right now, have the chance to. I mean, they're playing UConn, who is winless. Yep. Please just go win this football game. Rest up, get JT healthy. I mean, everything's in front of you. They, uh, JT and several people, you know, post game said, you know, there's not many conference championship games that don't have a one loss team in it. <laughs> they said, so we're yeah. still alive, and we'd like to keep that going as long as we can. So I was like, all right, I'm I'm all for it. Again, UConn, reminding myself, not a conference game. But yeah, right. <laughs> still, would be nice to, like uh, to win. And the more things keep going, like, okay, Memphis looks really great. Who else in this conference doesn't look beatable right now? I will, I will, maybe this will close each uh, of our podcast with my uh, latest update on my C or CUSA, AAC uh, power poll. I read CUSA. It was in a message. I have not completely, <laughs> I'm trying to forget that conference existed. But by the way, you can watch uh, CUSA midweek football. Starting in October, Tuesday and Wednesday games. Go, go get your heart's content of Middle Tennessee and FIU, if you if you need more of that. But uh, two things. First off, uh, we hadn't plugged this in a little bit, but I'm assuming you saw this. The Love You Blue Home Field Rice specialty release. I may have ordered one. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Guys, if you didn't see it, it. It might be my favorite home shield home field shirt that exists. It's pretty close. I'm I haven't so I've been kind of waiting. I I'm about to like I think make another batch purchase of several different home field products. <laughs> and I'm currently trying to decide which ones. And I thought I had, and then they released that shirt. So the code is Roost R O O S T. You can get fifteen percent off that blue home field shirt and whatever else you want. But the love, I mean, I was so skeptical about these, these jerseys, Same. Homes, whatever. 
and then when they came out, I'm just like, oh, I, I love them. So yeah, much. the look was so clean this week. I, when, my wife was out of town this weekend, and uh, when I picked her up uh, at the airport shortly before the game, uh, she said, "Did you?" Did you see the the Rice home field shirt? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, did you order it? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so couldn't, res- couldn't resist. In the co- They're so good. How could you not? And you have a promo code telling you people. It's we're not we're not we're not partnering with with bad stuff. This is the best that there is, and we love it. So go at it. I'm gonna. You, I mean, no, I wasn't on the fence before, but I have to go get it now. But. Yeah. So I wanted, to, I wanted to, to plug that because if you don't have that shirt, everyone should go buy it, not just because we like home field, but because, oh, it's going to be amazing. Then uh, going down my power poll of the Amer- the American, I submitted my poll last week. Last week I had Tulane, Memphis, and SMU as the top three uh, after watching uh, Memphis beat Boise this weekend, by the way. Yeah. And Tulane held serve against UAB. So Tulane, Memphis, SMU, okay. that was my same top three. Held serve, last... held serve, but might like held serve after like three deuces. Like they yeah. thought real hard about, about losing to UAB. And then they were like, oh, Trent Dilford's just going to yell at people on the sidelines. Cool. We'll play football now. And it worked out. So. Yeah, I'm I'm still giving Tulane the benefit of the doubt. So Tulane, Memphis, SMU last week. Four and five were USF and Rice this week. I did not change it. I have USF at four and Rice at five. And if this and keeps up, have I think, reason if this keeps up, it, I think I, you could find a reason to uh, elevate USF there because I, I if they keep like, playing like this and dropping fifty on everybody, I'm gonna I have mean, to. They're playing UAB next week, and I, I, I don't think they're gonna look less impressive against against the Fighting Dilfers. Literally, literally fighting on the <laughs> sidelines with your own team, Dilfers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I'm three and two Rice with the only, I believe, Rice is still the only G5 team with a Power 5 win. Is that correct? Uh, or no, have the, have the Mountain West have, oh, sorry, correction. They're the only American conference team. With the Power Five, that I think there's a couple right. teams yeah. in the Mount in the Mountain West that I mean, Georgia Tech just lost to who'd they lose to this weekend? It was embarrassingly bad. Um, uh, Bowling Green. It, Bowling Green. Yeah, there you go. Yes, Scott Loeffler, right, has like 15 wins as a head coach in like four years, and two of them are like Power Five wins because that makes sense. College football yeah, is sure. dumb, but yeah. So Rice, the only school in the American with the Power Five win. Book it. Write it down. We're in week five, folks. Others have had their chances. I love that we've we've become the greatest champions of the Houston as a power five team movement. It's I, I am a big fan. Big fan. Rice is actually doing the best unequivocally of all of the new AAC editions of the six that came in. So and part of that is the fact that they have a power five win over somebody. Yeah. Somebody with less good baby blue jerseys. Uh, yeah, none of the other news. The other new new group are uh, overall records of one and four, one and four, one and three, one and three, and two and two. Rice and North Texas are the only newcomers with more than one win. 
Like not more than one conference win, just more than one win period. I think they might be the uh, only two teams on that list that have a competent, healthy quarterback. Yeah. I say healthy because UTSA has a very good one. He's just kind of been banged up. So we'll see, man. So far through five weeks, I am, I'm stock up. I'm still happy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully keep that trainer rolling. Um, certainly would rather not, uh, have the optimism deflate against UConn of all teams, but, uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, thankfully another home win at which, uh, Rice has been, uh, Doing pretty great in Rice Stadium so far. So, right now. Uh, yeah, we'll see y'all back next week. Uh, hopefully, charging ahead to four and two at that point. But uh, we'll be back then and Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.